I just want to mention quickly that Steve and Deborah are absolute champion friends. And if you know them, you already know that about them. But when we began to feel that God was clarifying that we were to go to Detroit, uh, we made a trip out to visit a little over a year ago. And uh, we had told Steve and Debs, we think maybe God's sending us to Detroit. We think that's what we're hearing. And they said, okay, when are you guys going to be there? And they, they drove in just to be with us for 24 hours in that city, just to walk the streets, just to pray with us. There was no agenda, no meetings to attend. They just drove in just to be with us, just to be our friends, just to stand with us and hear God with us. And then when we arrived and we moved to Detroit in October last year, about four or five months ago, we hadn't even been in the country a week yet, and they flew in just, again, just to be with us. We were speaking at a conference in the suburbs of Detroit, and they came and they just sat and just were part of it with us. And to us, they have given us so much courage from their friendship. So I just really want to honor you guys for that and thank you for that. And um, I hope you guys just really appreciate the kind of people they are. You can trust them. They're good people. They're friends. They stand with people through thick and thin. And um, you just need to appreciate and honor your leaders for that. And Deborah, I just want to honor you for yesterday. Well done to you and the whole team, to Sheetal as well. But I just wanted to say that I really felt yesterday that God was so pleased with what was happening. And I just kept having this picture of this big yes over chosen, you know, like heaven's yes. And I think you're absolutely right, Steve. I've heard like biannual being talked of, but I think it's going to have to be an annual thing. So yeah, I just really feel heaven's affirmation over it. And I think it's something that's going to make an impact. And I want to honor you for stepping out with that and creating that space for women. I think it is so important. Um, It's such a privilege to stand here with you guys today. And I just have such a sense of the presence of God in this place. I just appreciate God for calling people to facilitate a dwelling place for his spirit in cities. And I just love being, I love being in cities. I love cities. And I love that God is present in cities because that's where people are. And he wants to be wherever the people are. So thank you for opening your hearts to me this morning. It's really such a privilege and a joy to be here with you. I really felt to continue with the same theme that I spoke on yesterday, um, which is enlarge your capacity or grow your capacity, which is really the idea of living a life bigger than yourself. Um, And so I want to continue with that same theme. I want to look at the same passage that we started with yesterday, um, but I just want to focus on some different aspects that we didn't go into yesterday. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can. I think I've got most of the scriptures on the screen. I want to read first from Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3, which is the main text where we get this idea from of grow your capacity. Isaiah 54, 1 through 3 says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Now, I know this mentions a woman, but that's just because it's talking about barrenness and fruitfulness. But the scripture is written to people, to, to the nation of Israel, to God's church. So this is for men and women. Verse 2 said, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And I just want to skip, if whoever's doing the slides, if you could just skip. I've got a picture of a tent. If you can find that slide and put that up. I feel like this scripture just so beautifully paints a, a great analogy for us that we can visualize this tent. 
And in the history of the Hebrew people, the Jewish nation, they were, they were Bedouins. They were nomads. When, when God first spoke to Abraham, that's who they were as a people. And so when God is speaking to the nation of Israel, he's using language that they would understand. Okay, so they, they lived in tents like this. And when he's saying, I want you to enlarge your curtains, when they would have more children or when they would bring strangers in or when they would add people to their home, um, I've actually read about how they would have to sew more fabric into their tent. They'd have to sew new flaps in to make the tent larger, to make it bigger. And so what God is saying to them and what he's saying to us today through this ancient text is he's saying, I want you to make your life bigger because I want to bring people under the covering of your life. I want you to do whatever it takes to sew in those extra flaps. And we're going to look at, at what that all means. But he's saying, I want you to bring, I want you to trust me to enlarge you and to make you bigger because I want to add people to your life. When I was preparing to come for this weekend, I asked God to give me something, to speak something to me specifically for you as a church. And, you know, we believe that God speaks to us. We believe that's scriptural, that he speaks to his people. We have to know We have to judge everything we believe we're hearing as to whether it's scriptural or not, but we do believe that God speaks to us. And what I believe I heard him say to me is that you, as a church, church in the city, you need to make yourself larger. I believe I heard him say that he wants to address fear, and I heard him say, don't worry, don't be afraid. I feel for some of you that fear has you in a limited place, and God wants you to throw your curtains wide just like this picture of this tent. So I want to just share with you this morning, I felt to share with you some of the story of how this scripture began to affect my life when God spoke it to me in 2008. In 2008, my husband and I had been married for eight years. We were serving in a local church in Georgia, in South Georgia, a small town that God had called us to serve alongside this ministry. And we had done everything you could imagine within that local church, kids ministry, youth ministry, worship, admin, you know, preaching, cleaning, building, you name it. We had done all kinds of things. And in 2008, we were serving on the pastoral or the eldership team. And in that season, there was a lot of unrest within my heart. And I think God was beginning to ruffle our feathers a little bit to let us know that it was time to move out. So God began to speak I mean a good unrest, you know what I mean? Like a, a God kind of unrest. God began to speak this, this passage to me of grow your capacity and enlarge your tent. And he was preparing my heart, but I would begin to get a little bit rest, restless in a bad way. And there were a few opportunities that came our way. Opportunities to go work with another ministry in Texas, another opportunity that was actually opening up for us in South Africa. And I had a history in South Africa because I spent some of my high school years there um, with my family, uh, doing ministry work. And so I had always really carried South Africa in my heart. I had a longing to be back there. And when a door opened for us to move back there and to um, be involved in a particular work, I really was drawn to that. And so I was constantly saying to Paul, we need to do this. We need to go there. We need to do that. Anything that smelled like an opportunity, I was saying, this is what we need to do. We're going to die in this little town. We're going to, does God even remember that we're here? You know, like I was so, I was really living in a place of unrest. And meanwhile, God was speaking some real things to me, like this passage of grow your capacity. But something interesting happened. And again, we believe that God speaks to us. So there's a lot in my story where 
I feel that God was, you know, speaking things to us. But my mom actually phoned me one day, and she said, is everything okay with you and Paul? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I had this dream that you guys got divorced. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You know, of course, everything's fine. So a few months went on. She called me again. She said, are you sure that everything is okay with you and Paul? Because I had that dream again that you guys got divorced. And now I was like irritated. You know, like, this is silly. Everything is fine. And our marriage really was fine. Our marriage was good. But then it happened a third time. And when she called that time, I just remember being a little like dumbfounded because all of a sudden I realized every time she was calling me, it was during one of those moments when I was reaching and pushing for something that was not in the timing of God. And I just felt God say to me, you're divorcing your husband in your heart. You're not walking together like I've called you to walk. And it really pricked my heart and I just had to repent and say, Lord, I don't want anything of that. I mean, if that's what that is, I don't want that. If that's what that looks like to you, I don't want to do that. You know, just help me with my heart. Help me to steward this moment in my life. During that same season, another really interesting experience happened. Um, Paul was at a pastoral meeting at the church, and our boys were really little. Like, John David wasn't even a year old. Peter was around two or three, and they were both asleep in the house. And I was, it was late at night. Paul was out at this meeting. I was sitting at my computer... And I heard him call my name. I heard him say, Minda. And it startled me because I hadn't heard him come in the house. So I went and I looked at the doors and, you know, he wasn't, I called for him. He wasn't in the bedroom. I looked outside. His car wasn't there. And in an instant, I knew, I knew what was going on. I knew I had heard God call my name, but it sounded, I mean, I heard it with my physical ears. It's the only time I've ever heard something physical, like with God. But I, I knew God was calling my name, but with the sound of my husband's voice. And I went and I looked in Samuel, where God was calling out to Samuel, and he kept going to Eli, who was his covering, and he kept saying, Eli, are you calling me? And he was like, no, go back and lay down. And it kept happening, and he kept going back to Eli, and Eli was like, no, if you hear it again, it's God, and say, God, I'm listening. And the scripture actually says that Samuel went and he laid down in his place. So I don't want that to sound harsh. I didn't feel like God was like harshly correcting me, like, you get in your place, woman. It wasn't like that. But it was this idea of together, this idea of in unity, this together of, I've called you to walk together. And what I have for you, Minda, is not going to sound different than your husband. It's going to sound like his voice because you're together in this. And so again, that was just a moment where God was really teaching me some things that were crucial to both of us walking in what he had for us as a couple. So God used that opportunity as well just to help me with how to process these things. And as I got in my place of unity and yieldedness to the Lord and, you know, commitment to unity in my marriage, we had an opportunity then in um, 2008 to visit South Africa again. And this time, the eldership team that we were with in Georgia— They really were behind it. They were like, this is a God opportunity. You need to go. You need to walk the land. We feel like there's something to this. And honestly, at that point, I had so laid down my desires that I really wasn't even expecting a whole lot to come from that trip beyond what we had planned for that trip. There were a few opportunities to minister in churches and to do a few things um, in rural areas. And halfway through that trip in 2008, my husband Paul came to me And he said, I'm almost afraid to tell you what I'm sensing. He said, I cannot believe what I believe God is showing me. 
And like just literally overnight, he said, I believe God is showing me that there is destiny for us here in South Africa and we need to be here like now. And I was like pinching myself like, what? You know, how after all this time of me feeling like this is where we're supposed to be trying to move through every opportunity and every open door, this is just like dropped into your heart, you know? And it was three months later that we had sold everything, sold our cards, packed up everything we had and our two sons and found ourselves three months later living in South Africa. So when God really does speak and open the right timing, it's fast and you move, but you've got to move in unity and you've got to move together. And I know that that may not apply to people who aren't married, but it applies to you as well because God always works in community. He always works in agreement. He always works within the local church family together. And so you never operate alone. It's possibly on a higher level of unity in marriage, but you, you never operate alone. And that was such an important lesson for me to learn. So another point I wanted to just mention in that um, is that the unique thing I think about leaders and, and like for husbands is that my husband, Paul, he needed to see the vision. He needed God to show him. He needed to see it with his eyes. He, I remember during that season when I would always have these desires and want to move through these open doors. He, it's not like he was fighting me or resisting me. My husband is like my greatest fan. He is so for me. He would, just wants me to succeed. I can remember so many conversations where he would say, you know, what you're saying sounds really good. And it really sounds like the voice of God talking to you, but I just don't see it. I just don't feel it yet. And so it was like God had to give him that vision so that he could lead so that he could lead our family into that. Um, Another way that that affected us was with our children. Even though I had been all gung-ho, when it actually came down to moving and like making the arrangements, all of a sudden I was gripped with this fear about my kids. And I just was like, Lord, I know that this is right. I know this is what you're calling us to do, but I don't know what this is going to mean for them. I don't know how it's going to affect their lives. And often what God asks of us has big implications on our family, on our children, the decisions he asks us to make. But I just want to say that God is good, and everything that he has for you is good. And if it's good for you, it's good for your kids too. There was a a meeting that we were in before we moved to South Africa where there was someone who was prophetic who was speaking, and she knew nothing of our situation at all. She was praying for me afterwards, and she was prophesying, and she was saying God's opening a door into a nation and all this stuff. And at that particular moment, I was so fearful about my kids, I almost couldn't even hear what she was saying. But then at the end of the prophetic word, she said, and God says, don't worry about your kids. He's got a plan for them that you don't even know about. And I just want to tell you that when you obey God and when you walk through the doors he opens for you, he really does provide for everything. My kids were so provided for those years that we lived in South Africa, probably even better than me and Paul. They had the best school, the best friends, the best teachers. And I'm just so grateful that I didn't allow, allow fear or my trying to protect them to keep them from God's plan for their life. Not just my life, but their life. So God is good. What's good for you is good for your kids too. You can trust him with that. So we moved to South Africa We were there for eight years in total. The first three years, we were working with a humanitarian and aid organization and just serving alongside a local church that we felt God had called us to. And then the last five years that we were there, which brought us up to the end of last year, we were leading Santon City Church, which was such a great privilege and an honor. And then we moved to South Africa with 11 suitcases. 
We moved there. We moved to South Africa with six suitcases. We moved back to Detroit with 11 suitcases at the end of last year. So why do we need to grow our capacity? I just want to look at verse 3 from this passage of Isaiah 54. Verse 3 says, For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. That word nations, every time you see that word nations in Scripture, it means people. You can almost take the word nations out and put the word people in. When God's talking about nations, he's not talking about geographical boundaries. He's not talking, when he talks about Chicago, he's not talking about the buildings and the boundaries of the city. He's talking about the people because God cares about people. Moving my family to South Africa and now to Detroit, it's about the people. You being here in Chicago, it's about the people. God loves people. And he wants to enlarge your life for people, for the sake of others. That's what it's about. That Hebrew word enlarge in verse 2 that we're looking at here. Um, I want to look at verse 2 of Isaiah 54. That Hebrew word enlarge means to make room and open wide. It's very simple. And our English word for capacity just means the potential or the suitability for holding and accommodating. Enlarge in here to contain what's out there that God wants to add to you. And then it says, do not spare. And I love that because to me, that is just the generous heart of God. It's, his, it's the heart posture that he asks us to have in our lives. Not sparing. He wants us to have an open, generous heart posture. And then he says, lengthen your cords. Now, I want us to think about this for a minute with this analogy of the tent. If you're going to have a bigger tent, you're obviously going to need those longer cords, right? For that tent. And he wants to stretch us. Um, The circumstances in our lives will stretch us. God will allow those circumstances to stretch us for bigger things. And sometimes that stretching, as I was saying with the woman yesterday, that stretching can even seem unreasonable at times. Like, God, are you, are you sure that this is actually part of your plan for me? This is a bit ridiculous now, what you're asking of me. This is beyond what I agreed to. This is unreasonable. If I sit down and I weigh the pros and the cons, and if I look at it from a normal, you know, just sort of analytical perspective, this is completely unreasonable what you're asking me to do. When we were living in South Africa, we were three years into living there, and we, as I said, we were working with a humanitarian and an aid organization and we, uh, that, that contract, we had a contract with them that our visas were also attached to. It was a three-year contract, and the time was coming to the end of that contract. And the organization was interested in us renewing our contracts. And so we began to pray about it. And as we began to pray about it, we really sensed that God was saying he was going to open a door for us. Every time we went to scripture, we were finding scriptures about open doors. Every time we prayed, we heard God saying that. People were sending us prophetic words. I just feel God is going to open a door for you. And so it became so obvious and so clear to us that that's what God was saying. We actually began to feel that if we renewed our contracts with that organization, we would be in disobedience to God. So we went back to the organization and we said, we just can't. In good conscience, we cannot renew these contracts. But we felt to stay in South Africa. And they were like, well, what are you going to do? And we're like, we don't know. We, we're not sure. We, we were praying about planting a church. We were asking God to direct us and to show us what was next. And our contracts were going to end in December of 2011. And in September, we still did not know what the plan was. I mean, we were fasting. We were praying. We were on our knees. We were trusting God to show us. We were in communication with the eldership team where the church where we were, as the church we were planted in. And we were, we were doing everything that we knew to do, but God just kept saying, I'm going to open a door. I'm going to open a door. And it wasn't until October 
that we met Peter Munnings, who invited us to come and take the leadership of Santon City Church. And that was such a growing time for our faith. That was like a nine-month period that God was saying, don't renew the contracts. I'm going to open a door, but I'm not telling you what the door is. That was like a nine-month period of seeking God, stretching our faith, and it felt so uncomfortable. It felt so unreasonable. And God was literally stretching us because we needed a bigger capacity for stepping into leading a church. He knew that we needed a larger tent, and he knew he needed to pull on those cords and say, trust me, trust me, because we were going to need a special kind of faith to lead a church, and he knew we needed that. So those moments when God is stretching you and pulling on you, and it feels unreasonable, but you know that he's speaking clearly to you, just trust him. Participate in that stretching with your faith. Lean into that stretching. Don't fight that stretching. Allow it to make you bigger, because that's what God's trying to do with you. And then again, two years ago, as Steve referred to this morning, God began to speak to us about moving back to America. And that just, I mean, talk about out of nowhere. After all those years of wanting to be in South Africa, honestly, being ready to live and die my whole life there, I, we began to feel God spoke to, to Paul here in Chicago, spoke to me back in South Africa, that we were going to end up back at, here in the United States. And I can remember arguing with God. And saying, God, this is ridiculous. Now, this does not make any sense. We just started leading this church a few years ago. This is like irresponsible, God. Don't you think this is irresponsible to leave this church and to go somewhere else? We don't know who's going to lead this church. And these conversations with God, and again, just one foot in front of the other, him saying, okay, now take this step. Now take this step. Now do this. And allowing him to stretch us with faith, to grow our faith for what he was going to ask us to do. He asked us to come to Detroit, not knowing really how we were going to begin. He spoke to us that there would be connecting pieces, like Lego pieces, that we would meet people. And sure enough, that's what began to happen. People that God was speaking to in Detroit about planting into the city as well. People who carried the same vision in their hearts. People who were ready to partner with us. And even though we landed in October with basically nothing, other than like three months worth of support, and even though we really didn't have anybody who had said, yes, I am planting a church with you other than my brother. That was the only person in the city of Detroit. All of really over the last three months, we have just been absolutely amazed. It almost doesn't feel real. We have to stop and pinch ourselves because of the team that God has assembled around us, the venue that he's given us. We had felt that God was calling us to to a certain area of Detroit called Midtown, where downtown meets Midtown. We really felt that we were to focus on this particular corridor called the Woodward Corridor, which is sort of the main street that flows from downtown to the suburbs. And we were asking God to open doors. And we were willing to meet anywhere, in a home, in a storefront, in a warehouse, in a coffee shop. We were willing to meet anywhere. And God provided the most amazing venue. We're meeting in a historic church Uh, If you know anything about Detroit, it's being rebuilt at the time. So there's so many buildings that are empty. So there's this historic church that used to be the first Presbyterian church of Detroit. The congregation no longer meets there. It's owned by a seminary. We're meeting in this gorgeous, amazing historical church that is on Woodward. It is literally on Woodward. You step out of the doors and you see the skyline of Detroit. And we just stand there and we're like, God, how did we get here? How did this happen? We honestly can't... um, You just can't believe sometimes what God has for you. It's so worth the stretching. You don't know what you're missing if you don't lengthen your cords. 
if you don't allow God to stretch you, even when it seems unreasonable, even when your family, not so much my family, but my husband's family is saying, you don't have a church building and you're doing what? Even when it seems completely unreasonable, allowing God to stretch you, it's so worth it. You don't want to miss out on what God has for you. And again, it is all for the sake of those that God wants to bring under the covering of your tent. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about me and Paul and God doing these amazing, exciting things for us. It's about the people, the people that he wants to add and the people he wants to reach. I know I touched on this yesterday with the women, but I really felt to just mention Mary again because I think she's such a good example of this. In Luke 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 30, the story of Mary, says, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's a pretty big vision. That was a pretty big vision for a teenage girl to hear. Then go down to verse 34. It says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Then Mary said, verse 38, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So God spoke to Mary, but Mary had to say yes. And what would have happened if Mary hadn't said yes? Do you ever wonder about that? Would he have gone to another girl? What would have happened? God spoke, but Mary had to say yes. Lord, let it be to me, as you have said. What would have happened if Debs and Steve hadn't said yes to God to come to Chicago? What would be happening right now in Detroit if, you know, if Paul and I hadn't said yes? The congregation that's being built there wouldn't be in existence. And by the way, Steve said we had 250 people. That was because several churches came and joined our launch service. We have about 50, which is amazing. A few weeks in, we're still like, wow, God, what are you doing? But what, what if we don't say yes? What will happen or what will not happen if we don't say yes to what God is doing? I brought with me two friends, Melanie and Courtney. Wave at us. They came with me from Detroit. And my friend Courtney, she and her husband moved down into inner city Detroit about four years ago. And they have um, bought a house that was in disrepair. They are living on the east side of Detroit um, on a street where there are drug dealers and crack houses, abandoned houses, uh, squatters. And they have renovated their house, a gorgeous house that was in disrepair. And they are serving and neighboring their street and the people of their community. Uh, Courtney's working with victims of sex trafficking. She's tutoring kids. Um, she and her husband are mentoring adults, and um, they've opened, or they are in the process right now of opening a, a home for pregnant women in their basement. They've completely renovate, renovated a huge basement and made it into a home for pregnant women. Um, they have uh, JJ's house, which is a foster home for kids. And what would have happened or what wouldn't have happened on that street and in that neighborhood if they hadn't said yes? to what God was happening for, the, for them, to what God was asking of them. That is a literal picture of stretching your curtains wide, making your house bigger, 
to accommodate others. And, and so God may not be asking that of you, but he's asking something of you. And it will look different for each one of us. I said to the woman yesterday, a big capacity in me might look different than a big capacity in you. But you can be sure that God wants to grow your capacity. And you can be sure that it's about people. And you can be sure that he wants to add people under your covering in one way, shape, or form. He wants you to touch people's lives. He wants to to bring people close to you and under your covering so that they can receive some of what you have that he has given you. Everything that he has given you is for the purpose of others. It is not just for your benefit and for your your furtherance. It is for the blessing of other people. You might be saying, I don't have the capacity for what God is asking me to do. I'm not that big. I'm small. I know my limitations. I know I'm not good at this, or I know that this particular thing in my personality would get in the way. I don't have the finances. I don't have uh, the know-how. If you meet our, our sons, Peter and John David, you'll see that they both have blue eyes, like me and my husband, Paul. They're both tall for their age, just like their dad. John David has dimples, just like my husband, Paul. Scripture teaches us that we are made in the image of our Father God. And our Father God is big. We get our capacity from him. Isaiah 57, verse 15, describes him as the one who inhabits eternity. That's how big he is. We are made in his image. He is our Father. There's nothing he asks of us that we're too small for because of him. We get our capacity from him. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, um, uh, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has set eternity in the human heart. That's something that lives in the heart of every human, a longing for something that is so much bigger and so much more than our finite space that we live in and the confines of our humanity. You were designed for bigness. You were designed, like God, to carry big things to bring about big things for others, to create, to bring solutions for others that can only come from the huge capacity of our Father God. How else will it come into the earth except but through us when when we allow him to enlarge our capacity? And then the last part of that verse 2 says, strengthen your stakes. And let's just think about that for a minute. We've got the larger tent, right? We're adding on uh, flaps to our tent to make it bigger. We've stretched our cords. We're allowing God to stretch our cords And those stakes that go in the ground, those pegs, those tent pegs that go in the ground, for a bigger tent with longer cords, those stakes have got to be bigger, they've got to be stronger, and they've got to go deeper into the ground. So with the weight of an enlarged tent, there is more pressure. There is more weight. That comes with it. But there's purpose in that pressure. And there's purpose in that weight. Every time God has expanded my life to include something bigger, marriage, having kids, moving to another nation, making new friends, learning a new culture, leading a church, taking on more responsibility. Every time he's asked that of me, there's had to be a corresponding strengthening of my life underground to go deeper into him. An enlarged life capacity has to be built on something that goes very deep and is very stable. We often try to grow our capacity, I think, without giving attention to the strength that needs to be developed in order to support that capacity. Capable people are good at being busy, right? If you want to get something done, you throw it at somebody who's busy because it means they're capable and they're good at getting things done. And I think in a a city like Chicago, there's big capacity people. 
But strengthening our tent pegs sometimes is where we struggle. It's like we take on more and we take on more and we know we can do it and we can do it and we do it and we just keep going, but we're not strengthening ourselves. And so what happens is burnout and collapse. We collapse under the pressure because we're not corresponding what God wants to build on top with what he wants to build underneath. So how do we do that? How do we strengthen those tent pegs? How do we strengthen those stakes? How do we get that, where do we get that strength from when you sense God is wanting to grow your capacity? I love this verse in Ephesians 3, verse 16. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, being rooted and grounded in love. Is it really that simple? I believe it is. Being rooted and grounded in the love of God. I really believe that strength begins with knowing you are loved and believing every day that you are loved by God. That's where it starts, rooting ourselves in his love. It deals with our insecurities. It deals with our flaws. Knowing that I'm loved, driving my stakes down deep, as deep as I can into the love of God, that relationship with Jesus. You were made to be loved. In fact, that is the very reason that you were made, is to be loved and to give that love away to others. And the strength that comes from that love and the courage that comes from that love unlocks the potential capacity in my life. My strength comes from God's love for me, and it also comes from those around me that he's put in my life to love me. It's his love coming from him as well as coming from them. It's expressed through human relationships. We need to strengthen ourselves in the context of the relationships that he's, putting our, that he's put us in. The good, the good ground of relationships that he's planted us in is another way that we strengthen ourselves. I find that as Americans, as a culture, we're very independent. We're on a mission. We're very clear as to what we're building. Even with good things, even with things that we feel God has spoken to us, I think often our tendency is just to go on a mission on our own and to be so focused on what God has said to us and what he's asked us to build. But that's not the culture of the kingdom of God. It's not the culture of New Testament scripture when you look at it. It's not the culture of heaven. Heaven has Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who are one, who work together. Um, And Jesus prayed that we would be one so that the world would see him. So we've got to learn to live in that oneness. I absolutely love, love, love this, this scripture from Psalm 92. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I think it is such a key for life. Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. How awesome is that? They shall be fresh and flourishing. If you still want to be relevant in your old age, if you still want to be fresh and flourishing and bearing fruit in your old age, plant yourself in the house of God. And I know that can be such a scary, such a scary thing because something that's planted is in the dark. And sometimes when that seed is planted, it can feel forgotten. It can feel cold and dark and, and, and wondering, is there, is there going to be anything that comes of this? It's like you have to lose yourself in the context of something bigger than you to be planted. I've seen it over and over, though, that when a person plants themselves in local church, in a community of believers, that their life begins to take root in a new way. They become stable. They begin to grow in ways that they never grew before because of the common strength that comes. They become part, also, their strength becomes part of the stabilizing factor of the whole. 
and our strength blesses one another. And they become part of that soil of a local church that becomes a blessing for generations when you plant yourself in a local church. So we plant our stakes. We, we put those stakes down in local church for that larger capacity. The word stakes can also mean, for all you business people, something that is staked for gain or loss. High stakes. There's no greater ground than the local church, I believe. To have this heart that says, I'm in through thick and thin. I'm in for the bad. I'm in for the good. I'm going to take that risk. I'm, my stakes are going in there for, for loss or gain because it's God's way. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus loves his church. Jesus died for his church. Jesus died for the world, yes, but he died so that the world could be made a part of his church, so that the world could be made a part of this family. There's nothing that Jesus loves more than his church. And as his people, we need to love his church. I don't understand this idea of separating my love from Jesus with that of loving his church. There is no separation of that. Unfortunately, our religion and our systems and our machines have gotten in the way of us understanding that beautiful picture. But you cannot separate your love for Jesus from his love for your church. And again, I just want to encourage you that I sense God saying, don't worry, don't be afraid. I I felt that he wanted to deal with fear. And I wonder if it may even be around this point that sometimes we withhold our lives. We keep ourselves in a limited place because we're afraid of what it's going to cost us. And it will cost us. I don't know what it might cost you. I don't know what God might ask of you. But the corresponding strength and the corresponding gain that we experience is so worth it to allow him to strengthen us so that we can grow bigger and larger. We will never walk in what he has for us individually unless we allow it to happen corporately through us. The reach will be so much greater. The impact will be so much bigger if we allow what he has for us to grow up out of our local church. And I've seen it happen in every year of our lives. It's not just ministry. It's business. It's family. It's the blessing of God on our lives because he has called us as his people to live in this context. This is the context for our lives that everything comes up out of. Those relationships. Throw yourself into the relationships that God has given you in this local church. Commit yourself to them. Develop them. It's the context for your life. And then verse 3 of Isaiah 54 says, For ye shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Again, nations equals people. Psalm 2, 7 and 8 says, The Father speaking to Jesus, he says, He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. When we were living in South Africa and we had just started leading Santon City Church, again, it's like I'm always gung-ho, and then the moment comes and I get afraid. That's sort of my personality. And I was, again, arguing with Jesus, saying, Jesus, are you sure this is a good idea? I, Paul and I can't lead this church. We're not, we're not South African. We're American. They're not going to receive us. We don't know the culture. Like, I just don't feel like I can do this, Jesus. And Jesus took me to Psalm 2, to this passage, 7 and 8, about the Father giving the Son the inheritance. And Jesus said, how do you think that I am going to receive my inheritance in the earth? And I had to answer him, and I said, Lord, it's through me. That's how you receive your inheritance in the earth. Jesus said, I'm not walking around on the earth today receiving that inheritance. My people are the ones who need to go about and receive my inheritance in the earth. And I want to say to you today, will you receive Jesus' inheritance on his behalf? Will you allow your heart and your life and your tent to be big enough to start receiving those people that Jesus wants to inherit? They're for him. 
Your tent is for him. It's to serve and to love and to receive this inheritance. Will you receive the very special harvest that he has in Chicago? This very special harvest field. Will you receive those people on his behalf? I just want to pray with you right now as we start to close. And I just want to pray for our faith to be grown and stretched. And for that heart response that, that only God can give us. You know, he even gives us our faith. He gives us everything that we need. So can we pray and just respond to his word? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your word that speaks to us and creates something where there was nothing. And Lord, I believe that even today you've created new things in our hearts. You've created new expectations. You've even created new faith within our hearts. I know that you've been speaking through this series of faith. I know you've been speaking specific things to people and that you've been encouraging them to grow their faith and to respond with a yes to you as Steve and the elders have been preaching over the last month. And so I just encourage you right now, church, to, to think on those things that you have sensed God speaking to you over the last month and just offer those things to him. Let there be a yes in your heart for whatever you've been hearing him speak to you. Jesus, we participate with your word today. We, we lean into it and we say, yes, Lord, make my life bigger. Lord, grow my capacity. I'm willing to be stretched, God. I'm determining to let my stakes be rooted and grounded in you and in this local church that you've planted me in, God. I'm trusting you with this process. I'm just saying yes to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it works in us, that the seeds planted produce a harvest. So much for that, Lord. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the destiny and the purpose on every life here and on this church corporately, God. We say, let it come. Let heaven come. Let your will be done fully in this place, God. In Jesus' name, amen.